Please bow with me in prayer. Father, this is your world. We thank you for the way that you speak through it. And Father, this is your word. We also thank you for the way that you speak through it. So Lord, speak to us now through your word. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. In the beginning, that's the title of a new message series that we begin today from the book of Genesis, and it's also the words that have sparked much debate over the years from Christians and non-Christians alike. So what happened in the beginning, according to the Bible? What does the Bible say about the creation account, and what does it not say Can we really trust it in the 21st century with so much technology and modern science? What were the first people on planet Earth like? How did God interact with them? Was there really a worldwide flood that destroyed everybody on the Earth except for a handful of people on a giant ship? These are questions that we'll tackle together in the coming weeks, as we look at God's Word found in the book of Genesis. And today, our passage of Scripture comes from opening verses, the opening chapter of Genesis, the first chapter of your Bible. And it's a fairly lengthy passage of Scripture that is packed full of all kinds of good stuff. And we could literally spend weeks and weeks on this chapter of Scripture, but we're not going to do that in order to stay on track through this series. We're going to cover quite a bit today, as we will many of our our messages through this book. You know what some of you perhaps are thinking, that James was good and all over the summer, but Genesis, that's that's a pretty long book. James was five chapters, Genesis is 50 chapters. Is it really, is it really worthwhile to to invest in and to walk through such an ancient and long book of Scripture? I would answer that question with a resounding yes. Yes, it is worthwhile because it is the living, breathing, relevant, applicable Word of God for our lives today. And it speaks volumes about who God is and about who we are as His creatures. That being said, we're not going to cover all of this book at once. We'll begin with the first series and the first major section of this book, chapters 1 through 11, which we begin today and cover that over several weeks. And then we'll pause and break from Genesis for several weeks as we look at some special emphases. And then we'll get reacquainted with Genesis sometime after the first of the year. So I do want to invite you to open up your Bibles and look with me at God's Word and Genesis chapter 1, and as we walk through this passage together, we want to see what is the major overarching truth of this story, and what does it mean for us today as Christians, as believers in the God of the Scriptures, believers in the God of this book, and as we walk through it, I think that we will see that with His Word, God alone creates all things. With His Word, God alone creates all things. Now look with me at 
the source of such a bold claim. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Probably one of the most well-known verses of Scripture, and rightly so, because tremendous implications for Christians, for believers, past, present, and future. So what is being communicated here in verses 1 and 2? And I believe it's this, that the sovereign God is the author of all creation. The sovereign God, the one who reigns, the one who is in control, one and only God, He is the author of all creation. Scripture says here in the opening verse of Scripture that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And as if that alone is not impressive enough that He created the heavens and He created the earth, there's a figure of speech that's employed here that we've seen elsewhere in Scripture that really communicates much more than that. There's a merism that communicating truth between two extremes. He created the heavens, created the earth. Literally, God created everything. The heavens, the earth, two poles, and everything in between all owes its existence to God, the Creator. He created all things. In other words, He created the universe. Scientists estimate today that the universe the observable universe spans billions of light years across from one end to the other. Astronomers estimate that there are more than 300 billion stars in our galaxy alone, the Milky Way galaxy. Some estimate more than that. Some estimate more than 400 billion stars in our galaxy alone. Scientists believe that there are more than 170 billion galaxies in the observable universe. When the universe is taken into account, when the universe is taken into consideration, the earth is but a speck, a small corner, a small small dot in creation. Yet God created everything. The sovereign God is the author of all creation. The word that's used here, the verb that's used here for create, used elsewhere in the Old Testament for create. In the beginning, God created. is a word in the original language of the Old Testament that in Scripture is reserved for God alone. Only used of God in Scripture. He is the subject of this verb in Scripture. Every single time. Humans make and form and fashion and build. But God alone creates. He made it all. It was His design. He brought it about. He is sovereign over it. All owing its existence to Him. Now notice what Scripture doesn't say here in these opening verses. It doesn't say when God created. It doesn't say how God created other than with His Word. And we'll see that through this account. In studied attempts at 
to discover the answers to those things are certainly good, fine and good. As long as we recognize that that is not the central point of the creation account in Scripture. The central point is that God alone did it. He is sovereign. He is the author of all creation. With His Word, God alone creates all things. Two words that are used here in verse 2 that are important for understanding this creation account. The earth is described as formless and empty, or formless and void, formless and empty. These words are important as we seek to understand the structure and the intentionality and the design of the Creator as He made all things. So at some point after God began creating, earth formless and empty, yet the Spirit of God is there, verse 2. Spirit of God is there hovering, ensuring its future development. Ensuring what will take place in the following verses, in the six days of creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 through 31, we see that the sovereign God creates, commands, and commissions by His authoritative word. Sovereign God creates, commands, and commissions by His authoritative word. And as we read through these six days of creation, this account, rather quickly, listen for the centrality of the word of God. Listen to the importance of God's word, what he says in the creation account. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Verse 11, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning. The third day, verse 14, and God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. The fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. 
God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I also give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Did you catch all that? Sort of this, get the impression that amidst all of the the new and descriptive detail of each day, there's a pattern that's going on here. Repetition that goes on. Same things are said. Start and conclusion of each day. Yet in the middle there's new material. Sort of reminds me of that children's book. The Very Hungry Caterpillar. You read that book and there's the same pattern over and over. And new material each day. But yet you know what's going to happen the next day. This caterpillar pops out. And on Monday he eats through one apple, and Tuesday he eats through two pears, and on Wednesday he eats through three plums, on Thursday he eats through four, well now I know I'm not the only one that knows this story, (laughs) Thursday he eats through four, anybody know? Strawberries, you know it, it's coming back to you, on Friday he eats through five oranges, and then it kind of gets crazy from there, point here though in Genesis chapter 1 is that in a similar way there's this pattern that is being set. The repetition is used to emphasize certain things. Do you hear the, the word of God in there? Verse 3, and God said. Verse 6, and God said. Verse 9, and God said. Verse 11, then God said. Verse 14, and God said. Verse 20, and God said. Verse 22, God blessed them and said. Verse 24, and God said. Verse 26, then God said. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them. Verse 29, then God said. Word of God is central in creation. It created all of these things, commanded all of these things to take place. By His authoritative Word. His Word that brought these things about. And that sets the the tone for, for all of God's revelation. All of Scripture. God said these things and they took place. And we could divide this 
creation account, these six days really, into two major sections. And could obviously spend a, a week on each one of these days. It's not our aim here. But we could divide these into to three, to, to two major sections, excuse me, two major sections of three days each. Days one through three and days four through six. And in days one through three, verses three through 13, we see that God gives form and order to creation. God gives form and order to creation. Remember how the earth was described? Remember how creation was described in verse two? Now the earth was formless and empty. It's formless. Days one through three remedy that formlessness. Day one, God separated the light from the darkness. Day two, He separated the water above, clouds from the water below. Day three, He separated the water from the dry ground, giving the seas boundaries, giving the earth fertility. God gives form and order to creation in days one through three. And then in days four through six, we see that God fills creation and gives humankind dominion. God fills creation and gives humankind dominion. Back to verse two. How was the earth described? The earth was formless and empty. Days one through three, remedy the formlessness. Days four through six, remedy the emptiness. On day four, God... God gave the luminaries to the skies, sun, moon, and stars, filling the skies, filling the heavens. Day five, He filled the waters below with all sorts of living creatures and filled the skies with flying birds. Day six, He filled the ground with all sorts of creatures and wild animals and livestock. All of this speaks to the intentional Nature of God's creation. Intentionality in the structure. The way that He created. The way that He designed all things. This is not done randomly. This is not done haphazardly. It was God's sovereign design. God's sovereign plan. It speaks of the intentional structure and nature and riches of God's Word as well as these things are recorded together. And the way that the creation account was recorded, far after the fact of creation, by the way, is reflective of the culture in which it was recorded. Whereas the creation account is told in such a way as to emphasize that there's one God, the only God, the true God, the sovereign God, who created all these things and rules over all these things. Whereas the Babylonians... Look to the, the luminaries via astrological charts for answers. The Egyptians look to a sun god for answers. Pagans look to the great sea creatures for answers. Scripture is clear, the creation account in Scripture is clear that, that none of these are gods. That all of these are only creatures, created objects, created things that reflect the glory of the one and only God, the one true God, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. 
No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. And then after God did all of this, after He filled the emptiness, remedied the formlessness, created the crown of His creation, mankind is the only creatures made in the image of God. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over all the livestock and wild animals. Once again, we could, we could spend all day looking at Scripture and talking about what it means to be created in the image of God. Being Created in the image of God doesn't mean that we look like God. You know, you can look at some children and just know who their parents are because they look just like mom or dad. That's not what Scripture is communicating here about us, although perhaps we might say to a certain degree this is communicating that we resemble certain aspects of God. We also relate to God. We're representative of God on the earth and we're responsible before God. To a certain extent, we reflect the spiritual nature of God in the sense that we have a spiritual capacity and an ethical and moral capacity and a conscience. But the primary aspect of being created in God's image that Genesis 1, the creation account, is emphasizing is that we as Human beings created in the image of God have dominion on the earth. We are responsible before God for how we care and watch over the earth. Responsible for what has been entrusted to us. Scripture is clear here. The creation account is clear here that human beings are to rule over all, all the other creatures on the earth. Given a certain level of responsibility that no other creature has. The sovereign God is the author of all creation. The sovereign God creates, commands, and commissions by His authoritative word. And then in the final verses of our passage for this morning, we see that the sovereign God completes creation with holiness and rest. The sovereign God completes creation with holiness and rest. And we see this in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1-3, through 3, our final Three verses of our passage for today. Look at God's word uh, there with me. Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Sovereign God completes creation with holiness and rest. It's important to note that God did not rest here because He was tired. The one and only God, the God of Scripture, doesn't grow tired, He doesn't grow weary, He doesn't grow faint, but He ceased from work here in order to enjoy what had been accomplished, to celebrate His work, His creation. The New Testament is clear that for Believers in Christ, we can regard any day as set apart, any day as sacred before the Lord, and that we find our ultimate rest in Christ. 
A time in the people of God's history, particularly Israel, was called to set apart a certain day, a certain Sabbath, after the pattern of God, in order to celebrate the Creator, celebrate what He had done through creation, but also through salvation as their Redeemer. And one day, this truth will be obvious, more obvious, once again, as God completes His new creation, and all the people of God find full and eternal rest in the presence of Jesus, forever devoted to the one true God, forever enjoying the presence of God, With His Word, God alone creates all things. And let's not just let this be a theological truth, a theoretical truth with no real bearing on the way we live today. It would be easy, perhaps, for us to do that. We examine Scripture this way. So so what are some ways that we can apply the truth, the theological truths found in the creation account of God's Word in Genesis chapter 1 to our lives today? The first is, let's praise God for His handiwork. Praise God for His handiwork. God alone created all things. God alone is worthy of our worship. God alone is worthy of our praise. God alone is worthy of our prayers. And the psalmist, guided by the Spirit of God, said it best, Psalm chapter 96, when he said, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant in everything in them. All the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for He comes. All creation rejoice before the Lord, for He comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Praise God for His handiwork. And secondly, submit to the Word of God. Submit to the Word of God. His Word alone is the final word. It's the Word of authority. Just as All things submitted to His Word at creation. If you and I know what is best for us, we too will submit to His Word. We will recognize His authority through His Word. Set ourselves in 
position of subordinates to Him. Submitting to His written Word, His spoken Word through the Scriptures, but also submitting to the living Word. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Praise God for His handiwork. Submit to the Word of God. Thirdly, acknowledge the value of human life. Acknowledge the value of human life. Scripture is clear here that all mankind, all humankind, male and female, created in the image of God, an image that was marred at the fall. Sin entered the human race. And we'll get to that in the days ahead in the Genesis account. But even so, still created in the image of God. And this has tremendous implications for us on a number of levels. All sorts of things. From abortion to human trafficking. Prisoners to foster care to adoption. Across a number of levels. And we as Christians, people of God, who believe the words of this book, ought to be involved in these things. Because human life is valuable before God. Acknowledge the value of human life. Fourthly, faithfully represent God. On earth, faithfully represent God on earth. We're called to be representatives of God on this earth as the only creatures made in His image, and even more so as Christians who are described in the New Testament as ambassadors of Christ, who implore others on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. Let's faithfully represent God on earth. Fifthly, find rest in Jesus. Find rest in Jesus. Scripture is clear. True, lasting rest and joy, satisfaction, delight is found in Jesus. Do you know Jesus? We found rest in Jesus. Find rest in Jesus. And lastly, finally, anticipate eternal celebration. In God's new creation. Anticipate eternal celebration in God's new creation. Turn with me. I know. I know that's the final blank, and the temptation is to check out, to pack things up, but turn with me to the final book of your Bible. Now, Revelation chapter 21. Where we see a glimpse of what John saw, the disciple John saw when he saw the new creation. Genesis chapter 1, creation here, now. Revelation 21, new creation. The same God, the same sovereign one, author of both of these things. Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. Scripture reads this way, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. Have you come to Jesus to quench your thirst? Have you found that living water in Christ? You've recognized your need of a Savior because your sin, your brokenness, your fallenness before this Almighty Creator, this perfect, eternal One, been reconciled to God through Jesus. If so, if you know that One, if you know the Alpha and the Omega, the one and only God, the same One who was present at creation, by the way, then you will spend Eternity in the presence of the King. Eternity in the presence of the Creator. And what a joy that will be. Anticipate eternal celebration in God's new creation. Church, with His Word, God alone creates all things. And He is still working. He is still creating. He is still redeeming. He is still redeeming lives from the pit so that they might forever experience the presence of the Redeemer. Do you know this God? Creator. The Sovereign One. The only true God. The Savior. The Redeemer. Our Friend. Please bow with me in prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths that it communicates to us about who you are. Lord, your grandness, your magnificence, your wisdom, your sovereignty. Lord, may we better understand you each day so that we might live in light of who you are. And as we grow to understand you, Lord, help us to understand more about ourselves. Lord, draw us to you each day. By your Spirit, through your, your Word, Lord, may we come to know you more and more so that we might more faithfully live for you and represent you as your people on this earth. Lord, help us to be faithful to that end. Father, I pray that you would continue to lead us now as we seek to worship you, as we've gathered in your honor today. Great and mighty creator of all things, Lord, may you be glorified in us. May may you be exalted. And it's in the name of Christ that I pray and ask these things. Amen.